Father, how we thank you for your word. It is so precious to us, and we thank you for giving to us uh, everything that is needful for us in order to live lives which uh, honor and glorify you. And now as we read your word, and as Malcolm then comes to uh, explain and apply it to us, we pray, O Lord, that you would give to us uh, hearts uh, that are responsive to what you have to say. May we receive your word uh, in humility, recognizing uh, its authority upon us, and grant that by your Spirit we might be enabled uh, to live uh, in a way which pleases and honors you. For Jesus' sake, amen. So from verse 13 then of Matthew 7. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it, uh, enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, and not as their scribes. Keep that uh, passage open before you. We've been looking all this week at the Sermon of the Mount, or parts of the Sermon of the Mount, in talking about making a difference uh, in the world by being different. And so we talked on Monday about being um, salt and light in this world, and the difference that you will have in this world, uh, bringing, uh, stopping the decay, bringing light, being persecuted. On Tuesday we looked at how we are different because of uh, Christ's work for us, because of the Holy Spirit work in us. 
And then we looked at, well, what does that actually mean? What does it mean to be different? And on uh, Wednesday, we looked at the question of motivation. What motivates us for service? And yesterday, we were looking at what is our ambition? What are our priorities in life? And today, then, we come to the end of the Sermon on the Mount. We've missed uh, a section there. You can see. Uh, you can go away and read that. But we want to turn our attention to how Jesus ends this sermon. And we see here he lays before his hearers a number of choices. He talks about two ways. He talks about two trees. He talks about two claims. And he talks about two houses. So that's what we're going to look at uh, this morning. Firstly, then, these two ways, verses 13 and 14. And you can see these two ways are very different. He says there's one way which is wide And the gate to it is wide, and many people are on this road, and it leads to destruction. And then there is another road that is a narrow road, and the entrance to it is a narrow gate, and there are few people on it, and this is the road that leads to life. And Jesus says, enter through the narrow gate, go onto that narrow road. And we have to ask ourselves, well, what is this narrow road? What is this narrow road and what is this wide road, this broad road? And Jesus has been telling us all through the sermon what these ways have been. He's talked about uh, how this broad way is, as we saw yesterday, this way that looks just at this life that just is concerned about what we eat and drink And what we will wear, that's part of this wide road. But it's not just that. It's also this religious way as well that he's been talking about. A way that is concerned with not murdering people or not committing adultery or keeping your promises. It's this road of respectability. And he says, be careful because it leads to destruction. But there is a narrow road, and Jesus has told us what that road is about. It's a road that says, not only do not kill, but don't hate anyone. Don't have anger in your hearts towards anyone. Be reconciled to others. Love your enemies. Don't just not commit adultery, but don't look at a woman in a lustful way. Not just don't, no, not just keep your promises but also let your yes be yes and your no be no. A way that is not concerned about what we will eat or drink or wear because we know that our Father in heaven will take care of us, and it is a a way of life that is concerned about the extension of God's rule and God's kingdom to all nations. It is about turning the other cheek. It is about going the second mile. It's about forgiving. It's about loving your enemies. It's about doing unto others what you would have them do unto you. It's a a life that goes further, a life that goes deeper, a life that goes higher, a life that goes beyond respectability. It's looking at the money I have in my bank account and saying, what's it doing there? How can I make the best use of that? For the extension of God's kingdom, it's about how can I get involved in witnessing to others, in sharing this wonderful gospel to, uh, with other people? It's about how can I open my home and invite people in? And yes, they may ruin the furniture and the carpets, but there's something more important than that. It's those words of Jim Elliot that says he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep 
to gain what he cannot lose. It's a, it's a life that says the material of, materialism of this world is so unimportant in the light of an eternal kingdom. It's a life that says, I would rather live and die serving Jesus Christ, whether that's in Birmingham, in a bank, or going overseas to Bali or wherever. It's that way, a life that is deeper, a life that is higher, a life that goes further beyond respectability. And Jesus says, well, how do you enter this life? And he says, it's through the narrow gate. It's narrow. It means you can't take anything with you. You can't bring your photo album with all your family pictures and say, well, you know, my father, well, he was a pastor. And my grandfather, he was a missionary. And so I can come into this kingdom. And you can't bring your achievements and you can't bring your accomplishments. You have to leave them all behind because it's a narrow gate. It's what a Christian says a few years later, uh, a few years after Jesus lived. It's, it's uh, these words that Paul says, If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. And then he goes on to say, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. That's what Paul wrote. That's how you enter through the narrow uh, gate. It's admitting that you are spiritually poor, that you're bankrupt, saying, I have nothing to bring to Jesus. Receive me because of what you've done, Jesus Christ. He's the narrow gate. And so Jesus says, there's two roads, and he urges us to enter into that narrow road through the narrow gate. And then secondly, he talks about two trees there in verses 15 and 20, uh, 15 to 20. And he's talking here about false prophets. And he says, don't be deceived. Prophets, they not only tell the future, but they tell forth God's word. And he says, beware, beware of people coming who claim to be prophets, but who don't speak God's word. They're dangerous. And they're dangerous, why? Because they come looking like sheep, but they're in disguise. Really, they're wolves underneath the sheep's clothing. And you know what wolves like to do to sheep? They like to tear them apart. He says, beware of false prophets. Who are those false prophets then? Those people who are saying, well, you know, we can keep the law. Law, that's all, that's enough. That's all you have to do. There are many people who will preach morality and respectability. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. You say, well, how do I know if a prophet is true or a prophet is false? And Jesus gives us the test there. He says that. Look at them. Look at their fruit. Verses 16 and 20. He says, You know, it may take some time, but no tree can hide its identity. In Latvia, they love nature. And Latvians know every single tree. You can point to any tree and they'll tell you what it is. I just know there are big trees and then there are smaller trees. 
But if you give a Latvian even a leaf from a tree and say, well, what tree does this come from? They can identify them. I couldn't do that. But even me, in uh, mid-August, September, I can tell you which one is an apple tree. (laughs) And the reason is, of course, you see the fruit. You see the fruit and you can tell what kind of tree it is. And Jesus says, look at these false prophets. They may sound good, their words may sound good, but look at their fruit. What fruit are they producing? Jesus says, don't be deceived. By what people say, Christianity is more than just talking, more than just what we say. Look at our, look at their fruit, he says. What fruit do you see? In their lives, in the lives of their converts, their followers. Is there an embracing love for, for all people? Not concerned about just their own small group, but they're concerned to go out, to bring people who are different into that group, old and young, Uh, rich and poor, black and white, it doesn't matter. But we're not exclusive. We want to bring others into our group. Jesus talked about the Pharisees and he said about how they put heavy loads on people. They preached about the, the law and the rules, but they never lifted one finger to release people from those burdens. And maybe we do that. Maybe people do that. They talk about the rules. But there's no love for people. Is there a concern for justice, for mercy, for faithfulness? Those are the things that Jesus said the Pharisees never had. What about us? A true prophet then is seen from his fruit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit in his life, in the lives of those who follow him. It flows from a new heart. That love, that joy, that peace, that patience, that kindness, goodness, gentleness, humility and self-control. Do we see that? Jesus gives this warning. All those who do not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Jesus then goes on to talk about two claims there in verses 21 to 23. There are people there who say, Lord, Lord. But Jesus says, they will not enter the kingdom of heaven. These are religious people. They recognize Jesus. They call him Lord. There are people who are doing great things there. Verse 23. They're prophesying, they're driving out demons, they're performing many miracles, they have an amazing ministry. But Jesus says, I never knew them. All the way through the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has been saying, and we've seen it, he's not been talking to people who are not good people. He said, not if you give, or if you pray, or if you fast, but he said, when you pray, when you fast, when you give. These are religious people, good people, respectable people. And Jesus says, they're far from the kingdom. They seek to do these things for the praise of men. They seek to do it to manipulate God, to get things from God. Their motives are self-centered and and uh, and selfish. And the worst thing is that they think they're okay. That one day they will stand before the judge and he will say, well done. And Jesus says, no. Jesus turns this upside down and says, it's not about what you do only. And it's not about what you say only. It goes much deeper than that. He says, on that day, and he's talking there probably about the day of judgment. What are they resting on? What are they hoping in? There used to be the this uh, course evangelism explosion. And one of the questions, and it's still a good question to ask, to ask somebody, well, if you were to die tonight and you were to go before um, Peter or the angel Gabriel 
He says, well, why should I let you into heaven? What would your answer be? What would you say? Well, I've been baptized. I've sung in the choir. I'm a deacon. I'm an elder. My father's a minister. I've given to missions. I've been a missionary. None of those things are going to be good enough. The answer is to say, I am bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt. I have nothing, but Christ has everything, and I trust in him. Don't deceive yourself. And then lastly, Jesus tells this story, verses 24 to 27, of two houses. We know this story very well. It's about two men a wise man and a foolish man. And they both build houses. And I guess from the outside of the houses, you cannot see any difference. They both look great. They're both very attractive. They're both very clean. They're both freshly painted. They look identical. But there's a problem. Because the foundation is different. You can't see that. But one is built on the rock, And another is built on the sand. And it's only in the day when the storm comes and the rain falls and the floods come up and the wind blows, then you see the difference. And the difference is dramatic. The house on the rock stands firm and the house on the sand falls. It collapses and great is that fall, Jesus says. The difference is the foundation. What are you building your life upon? Where's your foundation? I tithe, I give, I go to mission conferences, I go twice on Sunday. I live a fairly good life. I don't get drunk like my friends do. I don't take drugs like they do. I don't sleep around. It's a good foundation, yeah? Jesus says it's a foundation of sand. In fact, any foundations that you build your life upon apart from Jesus Christ, is a foundation of sand. Are you building your foundation, are you building your life on the foundation of your goodness, your own righteousness, your obedience? If you are, you fall so far short of what God wants. That's not Christianity. That's just every other religion. Every other religion in the world says, You work, and then you give it to God. You earn, and you give it to God. You do, and you give it to God. And Christianity says, he did, and he gives it to us. He earned, and he gives it to us. He worked, and he gives it to us freely. That's the good news. And the message is to turn from that foundation that you're building your life upon and to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus began this sermon by saying, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, those who are spiritually bankrupt. Now, most of us here, if I asked you, would say, well, I'm not perfect. Yes, I know. I make mistakes. I have my faults. Yes, I sin. But it's so much harder to admit that we have nothing, nothing at all. Say, well, I'm not perfect, but I do have something. I'm not a bad husband. I'm not a bad wife. I'm not a bad father. I go to church. There are people worse than me. We just can't admit that we have nothing. We're bankrupt spiritually. We absolutely have zero. But a Christian 
is one who by God's Holy Spirit has understood that. And understood that not only has he or she done bad things and needs to turn from those things, but has also done good things from the wrong motivation and for the wrong reasons and needs to repent of those things too. Even my best deeds, as Ra once said, are but splendid sins. Or as Isaiah said, there is filthy rags. And if we're resting on those things, Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Does he know you? Are you resting in his work, in his sacrifice, in his obedience, or you're resting in your own? There's only acceptance with the judge, adoption into God's family, eternal security and joy and peace found in Jesus Christ. To know him is the difference and it makes all the difference in the world. And so Jesus says, enter through that narrow gate onto that road that leads to life. Leave all that you have built your life upon and be found in Jesus Christ. Seek And then seek first his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. Let me close by saying to you, my friends, please don't be like the fool who heard the words of Jesus but did not put them into practice. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your words. We thank you that they are true. And we pray now, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, you know us, you search our hearts, you know our motives, our ambitions, our desires. You see them all, they're laid before you. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would show to us now Jesus Christ in all of his glory, in all of his righteousness, and help us to turn from trusting in other things and to put our trust in him and to be found in him. Father, I pray that we might all have entered in through the narrow gate onto that narrow road, living that life that is deeper and fuller and higher, a life that reflects your wonderful kingdom, a life that is caught up with your purposes in this world, a life that is lived not for our glory, but for yours. Oh God, help us, we pray. Give us that faith, give us that repentance, we ask by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, Amen.